Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. This message this morning is called Following His Footsteps. I just want to talk about a few things of the characteristics of Jesus. What he was like as a person who walked this earth that had given to us in this scripture and also some things that characterize and tell us about our lives and how we should respond to that. Just a few weeks ago, I heard the sad news that my granddad, who's 90, was 91, died and went to be in heaven with Jesus. My granddad at 91 years old was someone who served Jesus most of his life from a teenager. He was a musician, he played piano, he used to worship lead in the church and played the piano when I was a young boy. And I watched him all my life and he's talked to me about Jesus and talked to me about who he was to the point that today I, can, I believe that I'm a, a, a legacy of granddad. I'm someone who's followed in his footsteps of the things he believed. Because what I saw in my granddad was not just religion, I saw a true faith in Jesus Christ. This Friday that's just gone, we went to his funeral. And it was a sad day, but that day we also rejoiced that he'd gone to be with Jesus. But just a few weeks before he died, we went up to see him in a home. He'd just been moved out of his house into, an, into a home, a residential home to be looked after. And for many years, my granddad was a person who never wanted to be looked after. He didn't want anyone to look after him. He said, I'll never go in a home. And he always wanted to live on his own. But just a few weeks prior to him dying, he went into this home. So we went up to visit him on the Easter weekend to see him. And when we did, we went in to see him in this home and I sat with him. And do you know what I did? I treated that last visit. He could have lived another year, but I treated this last visit like it was the last time I was going to see him. So I asked him some questions about Jesus. And I said to him, what is the best thing, granddad, about Jesus that you love most? What is it that you can tell me, granddad? And he looked into my eyes. And at this point, my granddad used to shout loud. He used to talk really loud. And he couldn't even shout any longer. His voice had gone and he was just so frail. So many In the last weeks, he'd just rapidly gone down to this... Thin little old man and he just looked into my eyes and his eyes filled up. And there's many things that my granddad could have said to me in response. He could have said, in 1983 I prayed and this happened and the, the Lord touched my leg or God healed me of this or when I prayed for my auntie this happened and God helped me in provision. He never said anything like that. That God had helped him in all these different ways. He looked into my eyes and he said this. He reached forward, he said... Remember this, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He could have said anything that benefited him, but he wanted to tell me, remember these things, that he's the resurrection and the life. The first point I want to bring this morning in this story that we read is Jesus knew his position in life. 
He says in verse 1 that we read, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave the world and go to the Father. When he was sat around these disciples, he says he knew in verse 1 that he was about to die. He knew that he was about to go to the cross. And why did it say this? It says that already the devil had prompted one of them, one of the disciples in that room, to betray Jesus and take him to the cross. Jesus knew this already, that there was one there who was going to betray him. And he knew where he was going. He knew he was about to die. And granddad actually knew he was about to die as we walked down to that room where I've just told you about. He looked into my eyes as well and said these words. He says, Phil, never get old. I thought, that's impossible. He said, never get old. But he was always funny, my granddad. But do you know what? We turned around to him and said, granddad, but it doesn't matter, does it? You've got eternity to look forward to. And he smiled and just looked at me. Ecclesiastes 3 says this, that God, when we accept Jesus as our own personal saviour, he says this, eternity is set in our hearts. He sets it in our hearts. If you want to know the secrets of God, Jesus says if you accept him as your own personal saviour, he will set eternity in your hearts. When you are not of God, when your spirit is not alive, you don't understand these things. Jesus says, let me open up your spirit so I can show you what eternity is all about. Jesus knew in verse 3 that he had come from God. He says this, we read, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. I want to encourage you this morning that if you've never heard about Jesus, you've never heard about God, or you have in maybe in Sunday school or in the past, that just as Jesus says here, in, 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 that John says about Jesus, he says that he knew he'd come from God. He knew that he had a creator. He knew that God had put him on that earth. I want to encourage you and tell you today that you have a creator. There is someone who has designed you and created you. And today the world offers two options You might think there's a lot of religions out there and everyone says they all lead to the same place. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. There's two things today that you can go into schools, you can go in your friends at work and they'll say, will all this happen by accident or yes, someone created it. So you've got two things you can really believe in. That you are, you are here by accident or that someone, something created you. I work in a company where, and I have done for nearly 30, 14 years now in Cambridge, where we develop, I don't do this, but people do, develop products just like mobile phones and things like that that we have every day. They develop tech. Technology that is just blows the mind away. And in this company, we have sections of this company that work with mobile phones. They develop things like this. And I was in a meeting just a few weeks ago when we were looking at some of the things that were going to be developed for the, the next season almost. And I spoke to the head guy of all of the development of this section of the wireless industry, the, the communications industry. And he held up a Blackberry, just like your iPhone or your Blackberry. And he held up this phone to me. And he said to me, he said, this phone 
in all the history of the development of mobile phones to get it to where this is today. So that you can turn on and look at the screens and they're so, uh, that even today you'll turn on your, your iPhones and the screen is so perfect, they call them retina displays. That the display is so good that you can't even see the pixels. The, the, the development of these phones has got so far that he said it took about a hundred million hours of man hours to develop it to this stage. For that little handset that we hold in our hands and we just disregard sometimes and throw around. And I was staggered that the man hours that have gone into developing it, but not just a hundred million man hours of just one person doing it. People had to think about the design of everything that it looked like that you were looking at. So that everything when you press the buttons and you know where to go, the interaction as the user was easy for you. I'd have to design and think about these things. And I want to encourage you today that if that, just for one phone, for man to design it and to develop it, for one phone has took 100 million hours of time, man hours, how much more today are we, just us, created by something, someone else? Jesus said, He knew that the Father had put all things under his power and he knew he had come from God. Charles Darwin founded in this, as we know, went to university here. And Charles Darwin, we know that many people here are behind the whole Charles Darwin thing of evolution. But do you know this, that even in Charles Darwin's book, one of his books, he says that it's absurd to believe that the human eye came from evolution. Just that alone, that the man's human eye is something so complex could have evolved. This is the guy who sets the foundations for evolution. But the word of God says this, Psalm 139 said, as David wrote, For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. And David said this, All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. What amazing scripture. David said, King David wrote and knew that he was fearfully and wonderfully made. That right at the very beginning in his mother's womb, he was knitted together for a purpose. Jeremiah says this, for I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. To give you hope and a future. Right at the very word go. When you were created in your mother's womb as a seed. God said I've got a plan for you. And he created you. And designed you for his purpose. If some of you here today say. I feel rubbish. I feel bad inside. And I don't feel like I've got any purpose. Let me tell you that he had the blueprint. Right at the very beginning for your life. You can disregard that. 
Your feelings inside can disregard the fact that he has a plan for you. But let me tell you, just as many plans are different, Jesus says, I've got plans. Every one of us have got a different blueprint. Every one of us have got a different purpose. You might say, Christianity is not for me. I don't want any of this lack. But let me tell you, everyone has got their own individual plan from God. He knitted you together. David said this. He didn't just make the words up. The Bible's full of where David recognizes who God is. He recognizes that he has a creator. And so do you. All of our days were predestined from God. All of them. So when we look at some of these things, when we look at the design, I want to encourage you today, when you walk out of this building, you see the sun shining. You see the trees. It's not just happened by accident. We're not here by accident. The very things that sometimes when I think about us in this church and some of the things that God has been doing, I know that it's not by accident. He's amazing. My God is amazing. And I love him so much. I love him so much. I remember that when we were at the funeral, my granddad's funeral, one of his songs that he loved was All Things Bright and Beautiful. We didn't have any of the modern worship songs. He was singing all the old-fashioned songs, and the words in them were amazing. Let me tell you this. My granddad never liked all, All Things Bright and Beautiful just because of the tune. He loved the song because of the words that were in it. All things bright and beautiful. All creatures great and small. All things wise and wonderful. The Lord God has made them all. When those words were written for that hymn many years ago, the writer knew that all things were created by God. We come from God. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. John 14 says this. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? Jesus knew he was going somewhere, didn't he? He knew that he was going back to the father. And I want to encourage you today that just as we know we've come from God, we know where we're going as well. You see, when Jesus turned to, on the cross, to the thief, he turned to the thief, and the thief said this to him, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. The thief on the cross, as he, as he was dying on the cross, looks at Jesus with piercings in his feet and his hands, a helpless person in his eyes. But yet why? Why does he look at him and ask the question, will you remember me when you go into your kingdom? Because that man recognizes he was about to die as a thief who needed to be washed and clean. He recognizes he looked that he wasn't looking at a man on a cross. He was looking at the son of God and he said, remember me. When you come into your kingdom. And Jesus responded and said to him. Today you will be with me in paradise. Paradise. Jesus knew. 
just by his simple words, not by him being any religious man, just by him responding and recognizing that Jesus was the Son of God, just by him recognizing the most simple thing, he said to him, today you will be with me in paradise. Don't let anyone ever tell you that church or religion is difficult. It should not be difficult. The gospel is simple. That Jesus died for us. And the very fact that he turns to him and offers him eternal life in paradise. Just because he recognized who he was. The call today to you and me is do you recognize that I am the son of God? Hallelujah. It's awesome stuff. And it's so simple. We complicate it. The point, the second point I want to bring is that Jesus in this story practiced what he preached. He says this, we read that Jesus, when the meal is set out, so he's about to eat this big meal with all of his disciples. He says the next thing he did, he got up. Jesus got up from the meal. And it says he took off his outer clothing. A few weeks ago I preached on that when Jesus came in um, at Easter, when he came in and rode on the donkey, and I said about his robe, that his robe that he wore was something of status. In the time of Jesus, their robes were something of status. They were valuable robes. And it says that Jesus got up from where he was sat, took off his robe, And the next thing he does in front of his disciples is he gets a towel and wraps it around his waist and becomes a servant. These guys sat here having their meal, feeling privileged to be with Jesus. Looking at someone taking off his status robes as their king. He's now putting a towel around his waist and becoming the very thing that they didn't want him to be. They didn't want their their king, their God to be a servant of all things. They thought this is not what the kingdom of God's about. The kingdom of God's about us having a great time, great meal, living a great life. But yet Jesus breaks the mold and says, this is how you need to operate. You need to be a servant. Powerful stuff. He says Jesus got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. When Jesus got up from this meal he shows us a a key thing. He says he got up. Let me tell you this, authentic Christianity, authentic walks with God. A people who get up from the meal. You see, we can have a great time in Christianity. A great time saying, I'm a believer. And church is great. And I love church. And I love the coffee downstairs. I love everything about church. And we don't get up. But Jesus here is saying to us, you need to get up. Sometimes leave the meal behind. Let it go cold. The disciples would have been sat there eating their meals, thinking, well, it's going to go cold. 
But he put priority on serving first. I want to have a heart that serves God. That I don't care whether I miss the meal. There was times when I was younger when I used to go to church. That people, the tradition was in this country, is have the roast dinner on a Sunday. Sticking the roast in. And it was fantastic. We had it as, a, as young kids. We'd come home from church. The oven would be set, the timer. For the, for the chicken to be in or whatever. The roast dinner. And we'd get home and we'd have the biggest roast dinner. And it was fantastic. And I'm not dismissing any of that. These days it seems more like we leave here and we go to Nando's, don't we? It's so much simpler. My mum doesn't like it. She still likes the roast dinners. But I remember when I was younger, church meetings used to go on and people's chickens were burning. Because people put serving God before their meal. And let me encourage you, if you want a church that's passionate, you want to see God move in this place, you're going to have to let your chickens burn. You're going to have to leave your dinners. Get up from the meal. First things first, priority. Hallelujah. Authentic Christianity gets people up. Some people think it's about sitting around and enjoying the ride. It's not. There's people I know who have said they, they become a Christian and then they live a life of being a Christian. It's almost like they're saying, when God comes, I can't wait till God comes and I go to heaven. And it's like they're just enjoying the ride and waiting until he returns. And let me tell you, some of these people will go to heaven. They're saved. They're washed. They are waiting for their Savior to come. But Jesus says there's rewards for those. There's rewards for those in heaven who serve him. I want to be someone who does that. Colossians 3 says this. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. You see, yes, when you serve here, you serve man, but ultimately you're serving the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I've given my heart to serving here for many years, but you know, ultimately I always keep my mind, you know, whatever I do, I'm actually doing it for the King. And when you think like that, you realize it doesn't matter who's asking you to do things. It's for the King. It's for the King. I works for the Lord. God says you'll receive an inheritance. I want to ask you this, you could take the risk of receiving eternal life, carrying on in your life, but let me tell you this, when God says that people will receive a reward in heaven, I want to encourage you this, that on that day, when we go into heaven, none of us, I don't know what it's going to be like, but I know that he says that he's going to reward us for the good and the bad, and I want to be somebody who's reaping the, the rewards in heaven, there's nothing wrong with that, let's reap it. But I don't want to be one who's looking thinking, I wish I'd done something more with my talent. I wish I'd done something more with what God had given me. If only when they asked me to do these things, if only I'd have done them. Just to show that I was doing it for Jesus. That life with Jesus was more important than the meal. Amen. Your personal reward with God might not be for now. But let me tell you this. I want to encourage you this. 
that to see a soul saved in this place for me is far more important than the rewards in heaven. We have got to think about souls being saved into the kingdom of God. And I'll give my life for the souls that will be saved here on this earth in our time. Then what rewards are we going to get in heaven? That's to come. But you think, oh, well, I'm not going to get any rewards now. Your reward is this. If it says in the word of God that the angels rejoice in heaven when one soul is saved. If they rejoice, then there's something key about this. That we need to see that a person who repents when we give our work for God is our reward. It's a reward. Joshua 24 says this. Choose this day who you'll serve. It says, Joshua 24 verse 15. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. Basically saying you can choose to serve the other gods or me. But Joshua says this. But as for me, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. He made a conscious decision over his life, his family. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. We see that Jesus knew that he was about to die, but yet he gives this visual display in front of everyone that he is a servant. But let me tell you this, what Jesus was also doing, not only showing the principles of how we need to be in church and in our Christian walks as a servant, but he was showing the people that I'm not a God who you think I am. I'm not a God who is just going to rescue you on this earth just in my natural form. I'm going to die for you. And I'm going to be the ultimate servant. Mark 10 verse 45 says this. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The purpose of Jesus was this, that he would come to serve us and give his life as a ransom for everyone. That's everyone in this room. Everyone outside this building. He came to die on the cross to die for everyone. Once and for all. He gave it all for us. So shouldn't we be giving him everything back? We should have that servant heart because he came and served for us. John twelve twenty six says, whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant will also be. My father will honor the one who serves me. I want to be honored by the father. I don't know about you. But when we serve him, we're honored by him. And when we serve him, He says we follow him. We have to follow him. True followers of Jesus are honored. They're honored by God. And today I want to be honored by him. Don't think that when you serve him, that you're not getting anything from it. We reap the benefits of people saved, but we're honored by God. He covers your back. He covers your back. 
The last point this morning is this. That in this story, he says that Jesus knew how to be truly clean. He knew how to be clean. John 13 verse 6 said this. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, you're going to wash my feet? I bet they were covered in dirt and and muck. You're going to wash my feet? And he thought, why does he want to do this? Why does Jesus, who is the Son of God, want to bend down at my feet and wash them? Which was a tradition of the day that people washed feet. It's not just some odd thing or weird thing. But why does he want to do this? No, said Peter, you'll never wash my feet. It was almost an embarrassment. You don't want to see my dirty feet. You're the son of God. Why do you want to see my dirty feet? You're not supposed to do this. Sit back down and eat your meal. It's going cold. Go back to where you should be, right in the center of the table, top table. What are you doing? Jesus answered him and said this, meaning metaphorically, meaning in other words, I'm doing this to show you a symbol. That yes, you should be a servant when I'm gone. This is the life you should lead. This is what the kingdom of God is all about. It's not been about being special. It's not been about having a halo above your head. It's not been about religious. None of that. It's about being a servant. Being in the kingdom of God is a servant for Christ. But he was saying this. Ultimately, just as he was going to give his life and be a ransom for many, he was saying this, unless I wash you, unless I wash you, Peter, you have no part with me. He wasn't talking about his feet. He wasn't talking about his dirty feet. He was talking about inside this man, Peter. He was talking about Peter inside. Let me tell you today, you can have the best shower in the best hotel. You can be clean on the outside. You can get rid of every bit of dirt. But you can never wash the inside of you. You can never get deep in the inside of you and wash you clean. It's impossible. You can wash the outside, but you can't wash on the inside. The reason why Jesus came is to wash you on the inside. He said, unless I wash you, Peter, you have no part with me. I tell you, there's strong words, strong words to us today. Because basically Jesus was saying, unless I do this for you, unless you let me into your heart, unless you let me wash you clean by what I'm about to do on the cross, unless you let me do these things, you have no part with me. And Jesus said, if he's the way, the truth and the life, and we must go through him, then we need to do what he says. Because we will never see eternity with Jesus Christ. You see, my granddad had the opportunity, thank God, to know kind of when he was about to die, to prepare himself. Let me tell you this, that the Boston bombings that happened just a few days ago, those people never had that opportunity. They never had an opportunity in that time to get themselves right with Jesus Christ. 
And let me tell you, although that happened, the security measures were brought up. Things like this will happen in the end times. Where we will be worried, it says, and terror will come. Peace won't be around. And there's things like this. There's many things that can take our life in an instant. We never have the opportunity. Some of the guys that you read on the news about that were there that day, young children. And a guy who just stood there waiting and watching his wife as she run down. He never thought when he got up that morning that his life was about to end. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. We have to face him when we die. Jesus was saying you need to be clean on the inside. The inside. We sung this morning, didn't we? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Cleanse us from all sin. All sin. You see, the things inside you today is not dirt off the road that Peter had on his feet. The things that are inside today are not those things. The things that are inside you today when you haven't received Jesus, is a sinful life. The things that you think, I'm not a sinner, let me tell you, everyone has done wrong. We all fall short of the glory of God. The word of God tells us that, including me. The great thing this today is that I can leave here and even if, when I let God down and I sin, Jesus says, what happens is this, when you accept me as your own personal saviour, he says that God looks at you Not as dirty, but it says it gives you robes of righteousness. Pure white robes. That you don't deserve. That's the amazing thing. You never deserved it. You never will do. You're never going to ever deserve it. But he gives it us freely. The free gift of eternal life. And the washing of our sins away. Hallelujah. When... Some of the things when I was up there and seeing my granddad right into that last time when I, I spoke to him, I mentioned earlier. The carers who were looking after him, who were looking after him as he went to this home and they treated him, they gave him meals and everything. It was an absolutely brilliant place. My granddad, although he never wanted to go into home, he said, this is fantastic. He said, this is like an hotel in here, he said. It's like an hotel. He says, I've got servants around me. That's what he said. He thought it was like an hotel. Even so that when I took Jacob in to see my son, I took him in to see granddad. My son saw where he was living. And he's gone back to his school and told his friends, my granddad has died, but he spent his last few weeks in a restaurant. Even so that one of the friends has told his mum. So his mum asked Emma, She said, is it right that Phil's granddad spent his last few weeks in a restaurant? Emma said, no, 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 no. The food was just that good. He was getting bacon and eggs on a morning. He was having a good time. He was having a good time. But let me tell you this, that those carers who looked after him, when he went in there, he was getting that old, and believe you and me, we're all going that way. He got that old that he couldn't do anything for himself. The carers had to help him. So they cleaned him. They had all the mechanisms for giving people baths and things like that. It's an amazing place. But they had the ability to care for people. And they cared for granddad and they were able to wash him because he was unable to do it. 
But let me tell you this. That just as granddad needed a carer. He needed someone to look after him. To wash him even. I want to encourage you today. You need a spiritual carer. You need somebody to do it for you. I said you can't do it on the inside. There is a spiritual carer. There is someone who does it for you. Jesus says I've died on the cross for you. The work is done. So I want to encourage you today that you need that spiritual carer. And his name is Jesus Christ. The son of God. Just like granddad needed someone to look after him. You need someone to look after you on the inside. Jesus said to Nicodemus, when Nicodemus asked him the questions late at night. What must I do? What must I do to be saved? Jesus said to be saved, to be born again. He said, flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. I need you, you need to be born again of the spirit of God. Born again. That's nothing weird. It's nothing odd. But let me tell you this. I, for myself, understood what it meant to be born again. When I realized that I gave myself to Jesus. And all of a sudden, what happened was this. That what I just thought was normal to just live a natural life. I realized that Jesus did something pretty amazing. Not only did he die on the cross, but he let his spirit come into me. And made me realize that I had a spirit to talk to him. He births spirit. Spirit gives birth to spirit. It's amazing. It's awesome. Hallelujah. Jesus shed his blood on the cross to cleanse us from all sin. But you know what? In that room that day, in that room around that table, there was one, one person called Judas. Beginning of this story, it said that the devil had already prompted Judas to betray Jesus. He said Jesus knew where he was going. In his spirit, he knew that one man in that room was about to perform and do something that would bring about and usher in this greatest sacrifice that we would ever know. One man In that room, out of those disciples, chose money to trade the gift of eternal life for money. For money. Let me tell you this. You have an opportunity today to receive Jesus as your own personal savior. To receive the gift of God. Or you can trade it for life as you know it. You can trade it for the things, the material things that you see with your eyes. And you can worship the created thing rather than the creator himself. But how much so when I've encouraged this morning that we have come from God. I'll tell you what, I want to know my creator. I want to know the one who made me. I want to know the one who has a plan for my life. I want to know the one who wants to take me places where no one else can take me. I want to know that one. I don't want to settle for knowing the created thing. I want to settle for knowing the creator. Today, we as a gift on offer. John 3 verse 16. I'll finish with this. I love these words. It's amazing stuff. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever, the whosoever, believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. There it is in one sentence, the gospel. He came to die so that you will not perish but have eternal life. My dad, years ago, believe it or not, if you ever meet him, he'll not tell you this, but he used to play guitar. And uh, he, was, he used to play a few chords, just like I do. I tried to play the guitar. And he used to play the guitar, and he was in a band when he was a teenager, and in church. And in this band, I, he'll tell me about it when he was younger, they used to go around and into different churches, spreading the news of the gospel. And the band was called the Usoevers. And when he used to tell me when I was a young lad, I'm thinking, what a weird name. The whosoevers, I understand what he meant. You see what dad did when he went round, playing his guitar, giving the message of Jesus. What he was saying is, this is for anyone. The whosoevers, whoever you are, even if you've been in other religions, even if you've followed other religions and you feel stuck in your ways, Jesus said it's for the whosoever. It's for anyone, any time. And many years ago, right in this very church, downstairs in the back room, just behind the cafe, God touched me so powerfully that he impacted my life when I accepted him as my own personal saviour, that I will never be the same again. It's the greatest gift, and it's on offer today. So what we've seen this morning is this, that he knew his position, he knew where he was coming from, We need to too, when we look inside the Bible, we see that we can see that we were created. He knew where he was going. I'll tell you, I know where I'm going. Eternity. This is just a foretaste of what's to come. But he knew how to be truly clean. The way to the Father is through Jesus. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.